We acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the unceded, ancestral, and occupied traditional territory of the Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Squamish nations of the Coast Salish peoples. In some parts of Canada, treaties were signed with First Nations that gave incoming settlers rights to much of the land, while in other areas, few or no treaties were signed. Unceded land was never given or legally signed away to Britain or Canada. It was stolen and continues to be occupied and governed by settlers today. As we live, work, surf and play, we are grateful to the Métis, Inuit and Indigenous peoples of Turtle Island and from around the world who have stewarded these lands and sacred surf spots for thousands of years. We recognize their amazing resistance, resilience and strength in the face of ongoing dispossession, colonial violence and injustice. In particular, we wish for justice to be brought for the murdered and missing Indigenous women and girls from across our country. We believe that for true healing and harmony to occur, we must reflect and speak up about oppression while working together as we move forward in truth and reconciliation. We can be better. We can do better. Freshies, welcome to Permastoke. I am your host, Derek Hyatt. In this podcast, we talk to your favorite surfers and stand-up paddleboarders from across the Great Lakes, Canada, the U.S., and beyond. Take a peek into their lives and find out what it means to be stoked. Is it a natural state of euphoria, elation, a relentless commitment? I also talk to other Permastoke individuals related to surf culture, such as artists, entrepreneurs, filmmakers, musicians, philanthropists, yogis, and much more. Join me in learning from these field experts and enthusiasts while being inspired by their undying passion, insights, and rad tales. Permastoke is brought to you by Freshwater Surf Kids, your surf brand devoted to spreading the stoke across the unsalted seas and cultivating pride amongst the surf community. We do this by providing products and apparel that celebrate what makes both Great Lakes and Canadian surf culture so special. Stand out in the tribe by rocking our signature tee that features rad monoline illustrations of surfers shredding it up on each of the Great Lakes. Visit freshwatersurfbids.com for yours today. And be sure to check out our stand-up paddleboard school. With future plans to relocate to Southern Ontario, we currently offer basic and advanced courses private lessons, tours, custom experiences, and sup yoga in the waterways of beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. Connect with Mother Ocean, have fun, enjoy good company, and the West Coast sights and wildlife as you take your skills from okay to killer with a Paddle Canada certified instructor. If you'd rather stay dry, check out our Great Vibes Yoga Meditation and Healing Program. Aloha is a life force energy of loving and living in harmony with all my relations. Through movement, mantra, meditation, and breath, our classes reveal to seekers how to merge with their higher self so they may spread great vibrations and the spirit of aloha throughout the global consciousness. We use powerful technologies such as kundalini yoga and the Hawaiian art of ho'oponopono to calm the nervous system and leave you feeling uplifted and in harmony with mind, body, and spirit. 
Enjoy community, connection, and a chill atmosphere filled with great vibes and sacred ancient teachings delivered with humor and integrity. In this episode, I chat with Madeline, otherwise known as Maddie LeBlanc, about her passion for stand-up paddleboarding and helping others. Maddie was born and raised in Welland, Ontario. When she was 10 years old, she saw two men stand up paddleboarding in Lake Huron for the first time. When they came out of the water, she approached them and they offered to let her try their boards. The minute she hopped on, she immediately fell in love with stand up paddleboarding. She struck a deal with her parents that they would help her purchase her first board if she would pay for half of it. During the Christmas of 2012, she received her first paddleboard and took it out for the first time the next spring on the Welland Canal. In 2011, Maddie lost two friends due to two different types of cancer. The pain was unbearable for her and the community. With the loss of her friends, Lynn Lambert and Julia Turner, she knew she had to do something to give back to honor them. Maddie launched Onboard in 2014 and has been running the event annually ever since, raising over $40,000 for the Canadian Cancer Society, specifically for brain cancer research. In 2016, Maddie began SUP racing, in 2017, she claimed the Ontario Sub Series overall female category winner, as well as the MVP Most Valued Paddler Award for her onboard efforts. At the end of the season, she signed on as a team rider with Starboard, and in 2018, she won the overall elite female category with the Ontario Sub Series. She took the overall win and the yellow jersey at the 2018 and 2019 Mammoth Race in Toronto. When Maddie is not on the water, she dedicates her time to inspiring others to work hard and chase after their dreams. She does this through guest lectures at her school, providing inspirational talks in her local community and beyond, as well as sitting on panel discussions about women in sport. Currently, Maddie is working on her master's thesis at Brock University, where she hopes to inspire the world of academia with her research in the outdoor recreation and environment sector. Maddie is also certified as a WPA Level 1 instructor and teaches sub-kids at Paddle Niagara during the summer months. Maddie hopes to combine her passions to create meaningful impact in her future career while motivating her peers to do the same. This episode was recorded on June 21st, 2020 and is family-friendly. Maddie, welcome to Permastoked. How are you? <laughs> I'm so good. It's so nice to meet you, Derek. How are you doing? Yes, yeah, nice to meet you as well. I'm glad you got the double shockers there. I can tell you're <laughs> stoked and ready to go. What time is it in Ontario right now? It's uh, two o'clock. It's two, two o'clock on Father's yeah. Day. Right on. What are you doing for Father's Day? Um, my dad and I and my brother, actually, we just got off the water. We came from a little Father's Day paddle. and Oh, yeah. sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So where'd you go out for that? We just went to the Welland Canal because um, I'm from Welland, so okay. it's probably like a five-minute drive. And yeah, it's super flat water, like very, very beginner, easy spot, and just a nice spot if you want like a really calm paddle. Right on. Excellent. Well, it's good to talk to you. It was a good excuse for me to, you know, get up a little earlier and, and get <laughs> ready for this. I'm, I'm a little yeah, too... What time is it for you over there? Yeah, it's what is it, 11 a.m., but, you know, this whole COVID life has me kind of extending my morning sleeps a little more than they're used to, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Same here. It's a struggle to get up, like, any time before 
like eight or nine. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. So what is that COVID-19 life like for you out in, so you're living in Welland. What does that look like uh, currently now that we're in June? Yeah. So I guess that um, because we're in month three, like I've definitely been getting a good solid routine down. Um, so during the week, I, I try to wake up early, <laughs> but again, that's not always the easiest thing. Um, so I get up anywhere between kind of eight or nine and then I hit the water as soon as I can. We've been having fantastic weather here. So I've been going paddling almost every single day of the week. Um, yeah, so I get my workout in, in the morning and then the afternoon I kind of schedule myself to sit down and work on my master's thesis. And then I've been really getting into cooking too. So I've been helping my family make dinners. And then, yeah, I kind of just hang out, chat with friends when I can <laughs> in yeah. the evening. And What's been on the menu? Ooh, um, I, I love fish. So, like, anything fish. <laughs> nice. I love making uh, pasta. Um, my dad and I made these, like, turkey burgers this weekend. Oh, my God, so good. Sweet. So good. <laughs> yeah. So you're out on the Great Lakes. What kind of fish do you like? Ooh, you know what? My dad and I, we haven't like gone out fishing since I was very, very little. Okay. <laughs> and yeah, my dad used to be the one who would like go out to Lake Erie, catch some fish and, and bring it home for dinner. But I'd have to ask him what kind it was. Okay, yeah. I honestly don't even know what we ate. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, because out here in Vancouver, we can't get that good perch and pickerel that you guys have. That's right. That's I missed right. that. I missed that. Yeah, but I can't complain about the salmon and everything else. It's pretty incredible. I was going to say, you are pretty lucky with the salmon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, going out paddling during COVID times, is there any shaming going on or are people pretty cool about, you know, seeing people out and about as long as they're being respectful of space? Definitely. Yeah. Like, I think the lines were very, very blurry when COVID first happened. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of our water access here along the Great Lakes and like on the Welland Canal was mostly and essentially all cut off. And so a lot of people thought, well, what's the harm in being out in the lake? And especially for stand-up paddle boarding, you're all by yourself. Like you're not <laughs> really, um, unless you're paddling in a big group, then you're not really being a harm to anybody. Um, but personally, it, it was a very difficult thing to deal with because just the image of you being out there and some other people all around the world didn't have that opportunity to still get out. So for myself personally, I actually took a good solid four to five weeks off when the pandemic first kind of hit mid-March. Um, but then, yeah, I was back on the water, I think early May. And I just, I, I felt so happy to be back. I was like, this is my passion. This is my love. And to have that taken away for, I know four to five weeks doesn't sound long, but for me, that was really hard. Yeah. Um, but it was yeah. a sacrifice I was willing to make, but right. yeah, it's, um, it's been, it's been good. Like definitely now, like today when I was out with my dad and my brother, there was so many people out there on paddle boards too. So it's very happy to see the communities going strong. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I did the same. Um, I wasn't sure what was going on. You know, I didn't want to go out there and look like I was some entitled person or, you know, I was, I was better than others. So I stayed indoors too. And then the message, things started to lax a little bit. People were like, no, you know, the government was saying, you know, go outside, do your exercise. So then I thought, okay, so I got my paddleboard and I went to where I was 
usually launch from because I had emailed the city and they said, oh yeah, being in the water is fine. But like you said, water access. So when I went to where I launched from, the parking lot was closed, right? Because it's a park. So there were kind of these uh, barriers like that. So I had to find a sort of secret entry spot into the water. So yeah, and now I'm noticing more and more people. But what I really enjoyed about it in the beginning was, um, well, first of all, I'm usually fairly alone anyhow in the harbor in Vancouver. There's usually a lot of kayakers, not as many suppers. But at first, when I was out there, I was fairly alone. And I'll tell you what was really cool were the seals were in full throttle. It's like they had been undisturbed for so long and they were suddenly like very playful and you know I had one like went right under my board and came up from behind and kind of splashed so that was cool because normally they sort of maintain a distance yeah they really do I um I was actually kind of paddling in your area last year because I traveled out to Sydney uh for the CSA SUP Nationals and that was the first time I had paddled among sea lions and I was like wow this is so cool and yeah, but usually they're not playful like that. Like they kind of keep their distance because yeah, yeah. they know you're coming by. But um, that's actually really neat because I was going to ask you like where where you primarily paddle and, and what it's been like for you. But I'm so glad you've been able to get on the water. And even if you have to be a little sneaky about it. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So where'd you go when you were out here in BC? I, I was on Vancouver Island and the competition was held in Sydney, BC. Um, so I was kind of sad cause I've always wanted to go to Tofino yeah, and I, I couldn't believe that I was on the opposite end of the Island uh, and my brother came with me, but it was a super quick weekend. Like I basically got fresh off the plane, uh, competed and then hopped right back on and was back at work Monday by noon. <laughs> like it was a very quick weekend. Um, but it, it's stunning where you guys are. Like I, I love, love, love the West coast. So yeah. very lucky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got to hit that up. You got to take some time next time and, and spend some time in Tofino. It's literally breathtaking. So beautiful. I would live there and settle and, and never come back in a second. If, uh, if, if life <laughs> permitted. Yeah. It's pretty if amazing. Life permitted. Yeah, yeah. I hear that a lot from friends and family who have been to Tofino. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty wicked. Yeah. But that Niagara on the lake area isn't too bad either. No. Um, I, I personally love Niagara on the lake. It's where, yeah. um, actually my summer job is I work for a company called paddle Niagara where, where we teach stand up paddle boarding and provide lessons and rentals. And we launch at Queens Royal park. So it's just at the mouth of the Niagara River where it meets Lake Ontario and you can see Toronto right across the way if, if the day is clear and um, yeah we're very lucky to be able to nice. paddle there. Yeah. You stay away from those falls though right? That's right so technically where we paddle is like the lower Niagara River um, so geographically even if we paddled up river it's it's literally impossible to go over the falls because um, you'd hit Queenston Heights first and then the rapids <laughs> which is just as dangerous um, and then the whirlpool and then Niagara Falls, you'd be at the bottom. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't want to hear about you being the first woman to uh, go over the falls on a subboard. Okay? A subboard, that's right. Yeah. We have a lot of crazy stories of daredevils of the falls, but yeah. none on a paddleboard. In so. barrels and things, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so right on. So hey, you know, you've mentioned some sup and things like this. So why don't you tell us all about who is who is Maddie LeBlanc, and uh, let's explore your life a little bit. Tell the audience 
what's your all about? What what a great question. <laughs> um, the question. The the question. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm I'm 23 years old. I'm from Welland, Ontario, Canada. So um, I'm born and raised in the heart of the Niagara region, and I think my story is pretty cool. How I got into stand up paddleboarding because even though we have the Welland Canal here and it runs right through the heart of the city. I never grew up on the water. I never grew up doing any sport on the water. Um, I think the first water sport I did try was rowing. And that was like grade eight summer gym course going into high school. And even then getting in a boat, I just kind of was like, eh, this is okay. Like, not, a, not a huge fan, but it, it's cool. Um, and then I think a few years after that, my family and I, we went to Lake Huron because we would vacation in Savile Beach. And these two men, like one day, were just walking along the beach with these giant yellow Nash supports. And I remember being a kid and them looking like giant bananas or something. Like it just totally attracted my eye. And I looked at my parents and I said, what, what is that? Like, what, what are those things? And they had no idea either. Like we had never seen anything like them. And so the men went out for their paddle. And then when they came back in, uh, we went up to them and we asked them, Hey, what, what are these things that you're carrying and standing on? And they said, Oh, these are stand up paddle boards. Would you like to try? And that question has honestly changed my life so much because ever since that moment, a lot of the choices I've done and the actions I've chosen to take in <laughs> throughout the rest of my life have been around stand up and how can I get myself on the water. So So that's um, when you got stoked. Yeah, that's exactly when I got stoked. <laughs> yeah, and that that story is like a big a big part of who I am. Like I think uh I wouldn't be sitting in front of you having this conversation if if that moment never happened. And um I'm glad yeah. those were, uh, I'm glad those were sup boards you saw and not, you know, like those Iron Man water jet packs or like an e-foil board or something because, <laughs> you know, at least you could afford a, a, a paddle board, right? Oh yeah. But that, like, that took me a while though to save up. Like, okay. so because I was pretty little, I worked a few babysitting jobs for the next I think it was like two or three summers wow. and I saved all my money. Like I remember putting it in a piggy bank and being like, this is for my paddle board. And um, yeah, I think it was a few Christmases later, my parents said, we'll help you buy a board, but you have to pay for half and it'll be your only Christmas present. And I didn't even hesitate. I was like, done. Okay. Got it. <laughs> so what was your first board? My first board, um, it literally looked like a candy cane. It had... <laughs> white and red stripes um along the deck pad and i think it was a 10-6 jimmy sticks or or stikes i i don't know how you say okay. the name um and yeah it was just a classic all-round sup board i think it was maybe 20 27 inches wide so it was it was pretty wide but yeah right. it, was, it was a great board i loved what's, that board. what's in your quiver these days What's in my quiver? Um, well, no longer that board. I, I actually, okay. I parted ways with that board just last year and it was actually really hard to let go of because it was so sentimental. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now I have uh, mostly primarily <laughs> stand-up paddle boarding race boards. So I am semi-sponsored by Starboard. So I have a 12.6 by 23 all-star and a 14 by 23 and a half 
uh, all-star race as well. Wow. Yeah. That's, those are getting pretty narrow. They they are. (laughs) They really are. Yeah. But I, I love it though. Like I feel like I've definitely worked my way down in the, in the width of the board for sure. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So you see these dudes out on the lake and they got paddle boards and, and you find out what those are. So then where does the story go from there? <laughs> um, so the story basically goes, um, I started paddling, I guess, in high school. I think by that time I would have been about grade 11 when I got that first board. Um, but a year prior, I actually had two friends of mine who were pretty close to me um, who passed away from two different kinds of cancer. Um, one was glioblastoma and that was my friend, Julia Turner and glioblastoma is like a super aggressive form of a brain tumor. So when she was diagnosed, we all were like, Oh no, this isn't good. And her battle with cancer lasted for about seven months. And then she passed away in December of 2011. And then my next door neighbor, Lynn Lambert, she was 37 when she passed away due to a rare form of skin cancer And, um, she had passed away first actually in that same year. So in March of 2011, so losing those two friends was absolutely heart wrenching. Like there's no words to describe how not only myself, but my whole community, how, how well was feeling at that time. And I think paddleboarding again, it just, it came at such a great time in my life because being able to get on the water, uh, not even a year later, it allowed me to generate the idea of a fundraiser uh, called On Board. And <laughs> the first year I hosted that was in 2014. And so I think, um, yeah, paddleboarding really truly saved my life and it saved a lot of my friends' lives <laughs> um, by having this avenue to like express yourself out on the water and to yeah. be happy. And I think, um, I just thought, well, I'm really happy doing this one thing that I really love. So why not take it and apply it to something really good and mm. make a fundraiser out of it? Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. A, a, a tragedy sparked something so good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like when I tell that story, it sounds kind of like sunshine and rainbows. Um, but, <laughs> but there was definitely a lot of hard days too, right? Like leading up to that moment, it was very very sad. Like there was days where like, I couldn't even get out of bed. I was like, what am I going to do? And my parents would be like, go for a paddle. Like, just take your board out. Like, let's go. Come on, let's go enjoy the sun. And I think that's why in everything that I do in my life, even now up to this point, if I'm struggling with something or if I'm dealing with an issue in my head that I'm like, Hey, how do I figure this out? The first thing I do is say, all right, where's the paddle board? We're going for for a paddle. Yeah, that's what my wife says anytime I'm pissing her off. Go for a paddle. <laughs> hey, Derek, honey. Head, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so tell us the specifics about what is on board. What's that all about? What's it look like? When is it? All those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. So on board, it's it's really evolved a lot over the years. Um, so the first year uh, that I hosted it was in 2014. And that year, I actually paddled 10 kilometers down the Welland Canal all by myself because I just kind of had this vision of somebody like Terry Fox in my head. And I just thought, what if I paddle a distance instead of like running a distance? Mm -hmm. And so I'll never forget, actually, that first year when I came back to the shore, I looked at my parents and I said, okay, that was great. Like, yay, that was really hard, but I'm done. Like, this was a great year. Like, 
we, we remember Julia and Lynn, like we're going to put this to bed now. But after when I started going around and talking to all my friends and, and other family members that had come out to watch me paddle and cheered me on at the end, a lot of them had said like, Oh Maddie, can I join you next year? Like, this looks like so much fun. Can I get out on the water too? And so I looked at my parents and I thought, Oh, okay. Like, I guess we got to do this again. And they were like, yep, like we fully support, like, let's do it. And so I think for a few years we kept saying, okay, this is the last year. This is the last year. And, and then more and more people just started to come out. And so I think by year four, we just said, all right, enough. Like we have to just admit that <laughs> we're going to keep yeah, this. this is a thing. Yeah, exactly. So every year it's looked a little bit different. We've had different sponsors. We've paddled different distances, always at the same venue. Um, but essentially, it's just a fun day out on the water, paddling anywhere between five to 10 kilometers to remember two very, very special people in our community. Wow. Congratulations. That's fantastic. That's some really good initiative coming from a young person. <laughs> That's super. Yeah. So, so how is the money collected then? Are people sponsored for racing or how does that work? Yeah. So uh, the money is all collected through the Canadian Cancer Society. And so actually the really cool thing about working with them is that last year I was able to like to speak with the research officer. And so we actually got to pick specific projects that were related to brain cancer research that we wanted the money to directly go to. Um, so people and sponsors could either donate online or they could hand in cash to me and then I would bring it to the office. In, uh, we have one here in St. Catharines and that was always kind of fun because you get to hold up like the big check and say, oh, this is cool. how much we raised. And yeah, so a lot of different ways for people to donate. But um, at the end of the day, it all goes into the same pod and the same research. And that makes me really happy. Right so. <laughs> Are people coming with their own boards or do you have uh, supply boards for anyone without them or? Yeah, so um, that that's very much changed. Yeah, throughout the years, like the first year, I just said, "Hey, if you have a board, bring it." Yeah. Um, but now that we have so many sponsors that are on board, they bring their own boards as well, and so we get a huge mix. Like I think last year we had a hundred and two paddlers, wow. either a hundred two or like a hundred and four, something like that. We had uh, quite a few paddlers with us on the water, and I would say probably about half brought their own boards, and then the other half. Uh, we're borrowed from our sponsors. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of paddles in the water. Really cool. <laughs> it really is. It really is. It's pretty cool when you're standing there and then you get to look back and see everybody behind you. It's, oh, there, there's nothing that describes that feeling. Like it's better than Christmas. Like it's so good. It's, it's amazing. And so you're currently in school as well, right? I am. Yep. I'm currently continuing my studies at Brock. I'm doing a master's thesis in uh, the Faculty of Applied Health Sciences underneath Tim O'Connell in Recreation and Leisure. Nice. So I, I love what I'm studying. <laughs> yeah. So where do you see yourself going with all this, you know, SUP stuff and your experience with school? And, and you're very much environmentalist as well, are you not? Yes. Yeah. So actually, uh, my undergrad, which I just graduated from last year, was from the University of Waterloo in Environment and Resource Studies. So I literally went to school with, with a bunch of hippies and it was absolutely fantastic. And my undergrad thesis actually was a combination of stand-up paddleboarding and environmentalism. And what? I wanted to You went to school for stand-up paddleboarding? <laughs> Come on. That's right. Actually. Oh, <laughs> why was I learning 
book stuff when I could have been paddling. Jeez. It's, yeah, it's, it's kind of a funny story, actually. When I wrote my proposal and submitted it to the University of Waterloo, a lot of the professors in the Faculty of Environment, they kind of looked at me and, and they were like, okay, really? Like, you want to apply stand-up paddleboarding to environmentalism? Like, what, what's the deal here? And I just said, well, these are my two passions. Like, I love stand-up paddleboarding. And it's given me this whole new perspective on the environment and has made me care about the environment so much more since I've gotten involved in this activity. And I want to explore if it has done the same for other paddlers. And so um, one of my professors, his his name is Dr. Stephen Murphy, but everybody called him Smurf. He he just was that one standout professor that that saw my idea and was like, yep, I'll be your supervisor. I'll, I'll let you totally research that. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah, so I'm very lucky I, I had a great professor to support me through that. So what kind of ill effects have you seen on our waters? What is it that bothers you and what do you think we got to do about it? Ooh, I was going to ask you that question because oh. I'm so curious as to like what Vancouver and like the West Coast just in general is like because I mean you probably remember a bit here on the Great Lakes because you grew up around here. Um, but it really depends on where you paddle. Like when I interviewed paddlers from Toronto, a lot of them had said like, we see spillage coming over from our our sewer system because it's so old. Right. And especially after a big flood, it clogs up and everything overflows and comes back into the lake. So around Toronto, a lot of paddlers were like, it's gross. Um, but here in Niagara, you didn't see that as much. Um, even though we still, we definitely have some problems here too. (laughs) It's not all Mm. sunshine and rainbows, but, um, yeah, I think definitely it was location that determined, um, what we see and, and definitely what I see too. Like, I think springtime is pretty bad. Like after a snow melt, everything that got caught up in the snow really ends up in the waterways here. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm I, curious. What do you see? How were you? I, I'll tell you, I saw a guy a few days ago walking down the sidewalk and, you know, he had something, I don't know if it was a drink or whatever, but anyhow, when he was finished with it, he just threw it on the ground. And I thought, like, who, who does that anymore? Like, that's so 90s. Like, <laughs> it just seems so out of place. But yeah, well, in the early days, when I started surfing in the late 90s, early 2000s on Lake Erie, there were quite a bit of uh, E. coli days in the summertime, right? And so it was advised not to be in the water. Um, but when you're a surfer, that's sort of hard to abide by when the waves are, as you know, only come so often with the right kind of fetch. So when there's waves, you're out there. So. I was swimming and falling and surfing in E. coli water and it could be dirty and I'd come up and, you know, brown stuff and it could be pretty gross. And I tell you now, if I were to surf there, I'd probably go out on my sup instead and just sup surf, (laughs) you know, avoid going in the water if I can. Yeah. I love, I, I, I mean, I'm so biased, but I love sub surfing. (laughs) Yeah. I was out there, um, not last week, but the week before, and I was the only one on a sup serve and everyone's sitting there on their boards and they're looking at me like, who's this kook on the, on the yeah. sup? <laughs> but I'm like, I like the view from up here. <laughs> yeah. It's been a long time for me since I've been out there, but I, or been out there surfing. 
I imagine that uh, you have quite an advantage on a stand-up these days, I mean, because a lot of those waves are pretty small and mushy and can be hard to get up on even a longboard sometimes, let alone a shortboard. I mean, mm -hmm. so you're you're out there, you're already standing. You can get, you probably can get some pretty uh, good wave count under your belt. Yeah, it it's actually that's that's a very good point. I think that's why I do choose to sup surf more so on the Great Lakes. Um, I went to Nicaragua once with a company called Surf the Greats and and I fell in love with surfing there just in general. I think I was on like your typical kook board, like an eight foot uh, wave storm, but I loved it and it really made me want to get into shortboarding. But then when I came back and I remembered seeing um, like the sets of the Great Lakes, I just was like, man, there's no time in between these waves. Like it's not like the ocean at all. It's very messy. And yeah, just a, a subsurf like board, it's bigger in general, right? Mm -hmm. So you're going to, you're going to catch a yeah. lot. Yeah. <laughs> so I do, I do prefer the subsurf because I do find it's way easier to catch a wave than it is on a short board or a long board. Yeah, for here. sure. Yeah. So that trip that was with uh, Antonio was leading that trip? It was. Yes, it was nice. with Antonio, um, Aaron Black, uh, Jake Kanovich. Like he was on it. He filmed um, on days like these. So oh, was, Jake uh, Kovnat. Yes. Thank you. Sorry, Jake. I butchered your name. But <laughs> um, yeah, he was there. He was our photographer and, and did some filming as well. Um, and then Seymour Wood and Maddie Yu were some of our other uh, surf instructors as well. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. So, you know, being a racer, I imagine that uh, stand-up paddleboard surfing, it can be pretty humbling, even for the best, you know, flatwater paddler, <laughs> racer, whatever, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, I think um, there's so many times where I'm on my race board and I don't want to fall off. Like, I just do everything that I can, like pivot turn wise, like bracing myself with my paddle. I do everything to stay on my board. But when I'm sup surfing, it's like, you have to let that go because you're going to fall in and yeah. you're going to look weird. And especially with a big paddle in your hands and like trying to get back on your board, like it's going to look awkward. But the second that you get comfortable and finally figure out the rhythm, especially of the Great Lakes, yeah. it's a lot of fun. And yeah, very humbling. I, I like that word a lot. It's, it really sums up Great Lakes surfing, I think, in general. You know, those pivot turns by the end of the season, you know, I'm feeling really good. You got your pivot turns down. I've, I've taught them to, you know, multiple students over the summer. And then, you know, the winter comes, you have a few months off and then you get back out there. And that's pretty humbling, too. It's like, God, why doesn't those pivot turn skills just come back instantly? <laughs> you know, you got to kind of takes a takes a day or two to kind of hone those back. I have some pretty embarrassing spills i'm out there it's like yeah i'm a i'm a sup instructor bam in the water you know i can't even tell you how many moments like that i've had like i'm so yeah. glad you said that it's so true and and like especially around here um in the winter like i i don't even think i attempt pivot turns to be honest like because i'm in a full dry suit and i know that if i fall in like i'll be okay but there's still this part of me, like in the back of my head, that's like, okay, you don't want to fall in, you don't want to fall in. And especially when you're in front of a student, because you just want to be like, I'm the instructor, I know what yeah, I'm doing. Yeah. 
But I, I think falling in though, it's like you said, it's very humbling. And I do think it makes you a better paddler. I think it's so necessary to take those spills. Um, but yeah, definitely in the winter, I feel you. <laughs> like I don't practice them as often and, and every spring comes around and I, I look down and I'm like, where are my feet? Like what happened to, to all my skills? So <laughs> Yeah, it must be nice to go paddle boarding and be able to just jump in the warm water after. I mean, for me, it's always a little chilly in the ocean. So I don't wear a wetsuit in the summertime and, you know, you'll, you'll warm up, but it's not like the Great Lakes. It's not like that warm bath water kind of yeah. refreshing to fall in sometimes, right? On those hot summer days. Yeah. So what, like, what do you actually wear when you're out there? Like in the summer? Uh, for paddle boarding, you know, flat water, whatever, just wearing shorts and shirts, like, you know, normal stuff. Um, but if you're going sub surfing, then you're wearing a wetsuit always. But in the summertime, you don't have to wear uh, a five, six or anything. You sh- well, you can, but you can get away with, uh, you know, four, three, or maybe even a three, two actually. But yeah, you're always wearing a wetsuit. Yeah. When you're surfing anyhow. That's so, his, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then tell tell us how you made the jump into competitive suck then. Um, yeah, so that to me too, that actually wasn't like a natural choice as well. Like I, I always grew up doing competitive sports. Like I danced and played very high intensity soccer for 13 years growing up. Um, but after creating on board, I think it was in my second or third year. Yeah, maybe third year. I'm trying to think back. It's so long ago now. Um, the second or third year I hosted on board, one of my sponsors, um, Osmosis Sup Surf, they're just out of uh, Porto Luzi, so not too far down the road from us. Um, is that St. Catharines? Yes. Yeah, yes, okay. it is St. Catharines. Yeah, so that's uh, they're close to Lake Ontario, okay. right by there. Um, but yeah, so those guys, they had shaped a race board and brought it to on board. And they said, oh, Maddie, like, do you want to try out this board for the charity paddle this year? And I looked at them and I said, there's race boards? Like, what? Are you serious? And they said, yeah, like races happen all around the world. And I, I couldn't believe it. I, I was shocked at how long this board was. Um, I think it was a 12 foot six board. So now to me, too, that's crazy because boards are so much longer mm-hmm. and there's even unlimited. It's crazy. Um but yeah, I hopped on that board and I just, I fell in love with how much faster I could go. And, and I think my competitive spirit really was like, Ooh, I like this. I like the feeling of this. And so when I came home after on board that year, I had researched like everything about sup racing and I just loved it. I loved the pictures I was seeing. I was seeing Connor Baxter in Hawaii, like on these massive swells, like Molokai to Oahu. And I just, I fell in love with that idea because other than having the feeling of the flat welling canal, (laughs) I didn't really know how else you could take sup racing. So it took a while, but I think a year after that, I tried out my first sup race and that story was pretty funny too. My mom and I, we had drove up to Barrie, which is about, it's, I think it's about two hours from Welland, but with traffic, sometimes everybody going up north, it can be about three. And so we get there after a very long drive. I did a one kilometer square loop of a race. (laughs) So I come back in and I'm so happy. I'm so stoked because I came in second and I was like, okay, it's not first, but it's not last. Like, good job. 
And my mom looks at me and she goes, really, Maddie? We just drove like two and a half to three hours to get here for an 11 minute race. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so we we both laughed quite a bit after that. But those 11 minutes were enough to hook me onto the race scene for the rest of my life. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. That's one thing I haven't done yet. I, w- I wanted to get into that this year, but with all this COVID stuff, obviously that's been kind of put on hold, but you must have to be pretty good at your pivot turns to get around the cones in there, don't you? That's that's right. <laughs> and yeah. pivot turn three, we're, oh man, I, this is my, actually this would have been my fifth year racing uh, with the Ontario Sup Series. And I would say just really this year, I'm feeling super confident in my pivot turns. Like for me, it was definitely not something natural and it was, it was a very big learning curve for me, but I think the racing scene forces you to really nail your pivot turns. Like you cannot not know how to do a pivot turn. I think if you want to get into racing. So do you have your Paddle Canada um, certification? I, Oh, you know what? I actually don't, but I really want to. Okay. <laughs> I'm a, I'm currently WPA level one SUP instructor certified. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, do you know Christy uh, Wright Shell? I think she's from your area. Yeah. So I've talked to her about it and I'm like, man, I got to get Paddle Canada. Like it's a pretty cool course. So yeah, yeah. It's pretty sweet. Well, when I come home, if you uh, want to take it, yeah, we can hook that up for sure. Yeah, yeah, because um, I'm assuming that's what you're certified, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, but I'm not certified to instruct instructors yet, but I will be. That's uh, that's next on my list, yeah. Yeah, because my instructor, when I did my advanced certification, um, he had us go as low as you can go on those pivot turns. We, it was pretty fun. We were pretty good by the end of that weekend. But then again, like you said, you know, you go back out paddling and, how often do you really use that skill? Like how often are you in a jam? You're like, God, I got to do a 180 right now. You know, <laughs> I even find with such a big Harbor, I, I was telling my buddy, I'm like, you know, I hardly even have to do a sweep stroke. Like, you know, the turns, I mean, I know where I'm going. You just kind of your direction, you just sort of get led there. Yeah. That's yeah. so true. That's such a good point. Like, yeah, definitely. Like if you don't practice them, like, it's a skill you can't lose easy. It's, it's like working a lot of those twitch muscles in your legs and like really activating muscles that you don't use every day and you don't use often. So yeah, I agree. The upper, the upper legs just sort of shake. Eh? They just kind of <laughs> tremble those first couple times each year. Oh, it's so true. And I tell my clients that all the time. Like I tell them when I take them out on the water and especially for the first time, I say, don't worry. Like if your legs are shaking, it's not even you. And it's not because you're nervous. It's literally just because you're activating muscles that are not used to being worked. It's the same ones that you use if you slip on ice. And how often does that happen? Mm, Right? Like, so. So you mentioned Hawaii. Have you been paddling in Hawaii before? Oh, I haven't. Oh, okay. And it's somewhere I really want to go. Like that's top of the bucket list. Like, Yeah. How about you? Have you been to Hawaii? I've been to Hawaii. I've been paddleboarding up on the North Shore. Yeah. I'm so jealous. Sweet, <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. Home of the Duke, Duke Kahanamoku, you know, the father of it all. And he uh, was one of the first guys with the with the paddle out there. That's right. That's totally right. Oh, 
that must have been incredible, eh? How long were you there for? Oh, that was just a sort of week trip or something like that. Did a little bit of surfing on the North Shore, did some paddle boarding on the North Shore. There's sort of this uh, river that goes in there in the town. Yeah, that's that's a that's a dream place. So um, so we talked about the sub competition, but now tell us about this um, Team Canada stuff. And you went to China. You've represented. So how is that? That's correct. Yes. Um, Oh, man. China was absolutely unbelievable. Like, if you were to tell me, let's say, five years ago, um, when I first got into SUP racing, uh, hey, Maddie, you'd be going to China in four years, I would have said, nah. Like, you're joking. You're you're lying to me. That's not true. Um, But it really was... I like I don't know if you believe in fate or destiny, but for me, oh, yeah. I felt like it was a truly like a right place, the right time kind of a moment for me. Mm-hmm. And so I was actually finishing up school. So I was in my last year of my undergrad at the University of Waterloo. And one of my friends had called me up. Uh, her name's Ariel Amaral. And she's actually a pretty big racer too around here in Southern Ontario. Um, so she is someone you should talk to as well. She's pretty cool. Okay. What's the um, name? Uh, Ariel Amarel. So her last name is A M A R E L. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, she's pretty cool. So like, you, yeah, you got to talk to her. All right. Um, so she had called me in September, and she had said, "Hey, Maddie, uh, we actually have a spot on Team Canada to go and compete at the ISA World Sup and Paddleboard Championships in China. Would you like to come?" And I just remember like being on the phone. I I didn't say anything. I think I was like speechless. And I just said, are are you sure you have the right Maddie? Like (laughs) (laughs) you are calling me. Right. Um, and she just said, yep. Like a spot opened up on the team. Like we have uh, a place for you to come, like just come on out. And I actually had turned it down. Like back in September, I said, you know what? This is absolutely incredible. I am so honored that you thought of me to fill this spot for the team. Um, but I, I can't do it. Like I'm just starting school. I can't take like two weeks off to just go and race. Like I have a thesis to write. I have interviews to do. Like I was so busy. I was so overwhelmed. And on top of that too, I was paying off like student debt. And (laughs) I was like, I I just don't have money to go. Um, because stand up paddleboarding and, and you probably know this as well. Unfortunately, there's, there's no money in the sport. Like there's really not a lot. And so there was no way for me to get funding to go. And so Ariel was like, okay, like, well, maybe like if you change your mind, like, let me know. And I just said, okay, thanks. Like well, that must've been, that must've been hard to walk away from. Oh, it was, I, I thought about it for weeks. Like yeah. I was so devastated that I had this amazing opportunity, but I just knew I was like, I can't do it. I really can't. And Earlier that year, I actually wanted to come out to BC earlier um, to compete at the Nationals because that's where it's been hosted every year, I think for the past three or four years. And so I wanted to go out there, but my parents had sat me down and we had the conversation of like, you know what, it's just, it's really expensive to fly out there and like to get a board there. Like it's really complicated. And I, again, too, was just approaching my last semester at school and we both just thought like, no, it's not a good idea. And that's where the surf, the greats trip came in because that was way more affordable. And so I don't know if you think that's crazy too. Like flying across our country is more expensive than me to go fly down 
to Central America. <laughs> oh, trust me, I've known about that for the last 12 years. It's like going home for Christmas or go to Hawaii. Like, it's just crazy. But uh, you need to check, you're close to Hamilton. You can check out those new swoop flights. Those are a lot more affordable. That's right. That's yeah. right. My my sister used to do a lot of flights actually to Edmonton for work okay. and stuff. So um, yeah, she's very familiar with Swoop. But yeah. oh, I need to get on that. I don't know about uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know about traveling with your sup on that airline or not. But you know, you could always get something. Out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They may or may not have room for it. eh, on those yeah, tiny yeah, yeah. flights. So you so you oh. said no. So what then? What happened? Yeah, so I, I said no, and it haunted me for a long time. But then about a month later, so it was close to Halloween. It was the end of October. Ariel called me again, and she had just said, Maddie, like, we've got this spot still. Like, we haven't been able to fill it. And one of our other team members, his name's Dan Miller, he will pay for your flight if you can come. Like, we'll, we'll help you get aboard here. Like, we'll, we'll do everything that we can um, please just come. Like, all you have to do is pay for registration to, to be on the team and like, let's do this. And at that point, yeah, I just said, you know what, this, this is meant to be like, this is the second phone call. I now have an affordable solution to this problem. I can't turn it down now. So I remember I just said, okay, okay, just like, give me a sec. I, I called my parents and I said, Ariel called me with this. And they're like, just go. Just, yeah, like, that's just one of those it. moments in life you know you have to do it when things line up that well. Yeah, that it, that's exactly it. Like, I think my parents totally understood everything in that situation. And I honestly, to this day, like, I cannot thank them enough for just allowing me to go and to be able to have that experience representing Team Canada. And I'm very, very happy I got to go to China that year. Uh, yeah. So what was the what was the outcome? What was the races like? What what was that experience like? Mm-hmm. It was it was absolutely life changing. It was totally incredible. Like China definitely was not like a bucket list place for me. Like I never thought I would end up there. So mm. to be there, um, getting there, I had a few like flight delays and challenges. So that taught me a lot of like traveling tips and how to be a better traveler. Um, and then once I got there, like figuring out the food was pretty cool um, because I have a very deathly allergic peanut allergy. Oh, no. <laughs> and so to figure out the food like in China, right, where they cook everything in peanut oil yeah. was a challenge too. But it was so fun and exciting to try new foods and, and really explore out of your comfort zone from home. Um, but racing wise too, it, it was a lot of fun. It was very, I think, theme of this podcast is humbling. It was a very humbling experience to be among the world's best. And by no way, like, was I in any shape to be there? Like just, I had come off of a great racing season in 2018 during the summer months. Um, but having like the call in October to be like, Hey, come to China, like a month to prep. I was just basically cramming in all my schoolwork and I had no time to train. Mm. And so I definitely could say in a very healthy way, I got my butt kicked, but oh, okay. it, it was so much fun though. Like yeah. the technical racing, um, I really, I held my ground there. Um, the repercharge round was very hard. I almost made it into the top 10, mm. um, but just missed it by a few spots. 
And the distance race too, that was humbling because I had suffered an injury from the technical race and it, it came out in the distance. So I wasn't able to complete it, but to really come off the course and be like, okay, wow, this is what the world's best are doing. It's given me this humongous goal in my mind that I'm like, that's where I want to be. And I think now if you were to call me up and say, Hey, want to come, come back? I, I would be much better uh, prepared (laughs) like physically and mentally, but I don't regret like just going there and trying. And the fact that you got to do it is quite an achievement, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Like just to say like at least once in my life, like I got to represent team Canada, like, there's no words to describe that feeling. Yeah, that is so cool. And I'm sure you, there's tons of learning from your coaches and, and peers as well, right? That whole thing. Yeah. So so what countries, you know, do you, we might not be aware of that are quite impressive in the sub realm? Ooh, um, Hungary. Hungary is incredible. Like, really? Um, I think that's where Bruno and Daniel Hazulio are from and they both used to ride for starboard, but I think just Daniel does now. And they come from like an amazing canoe and kayak sprinting background. And the guys there are so fast. And I actually think that's where the next ICF uh, stand up competition, like their world championships is going to be uh, next year. So it'll be really cool to see. Um, really the world's best compete in one of the best countries. And even though they're not on the ocean, like they have a lake, yeah, wow. <laughs> but they're not on the ocean at all, which is cool. That is pretty cool. Hungary is hungry for sup. Awesome. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, That's right. Oh, I was going to ask you something else about that. I'm kind of go, I'm kind of blanking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I am going blank a, a little bit on Starboard. Is Starboard the brand with the little like sort of tiki dude with the hair? That's right. Live, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. live the tiki life. That's right. right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I rode, okay. I rode a Starboard quite a bit last year, uh, a sub surf Starboard. Yeah, that was a nice board. Oh, do you know which model yeah. it was? No, I don't, but I could find out. Yeah, it was quite a nice board. Really uh, white on the bottom, bright pink on top. You could, you know, see me out there quite easily. Yeah, that's a nice board. <laughs> that's right great. On. I definitely want to know what board you were on because yeah. I'm very curious. That's the next thing that's going in the quiver is a starboard sup surf. So <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think if I were to um, invest in any more hard boards, I'd probably go for starboard for sure. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Most of my boards, I have four inflatable uh, red paddles, which are amazing. Yeah. And then I have two surf, no, two or three surf techs. And then I have a Cascadia hardboard. That I don't oh, have, nice. Yeah. So that's for me and, and my students. But yeah, I'll have to get some, uh, diversify with some starboard. And then I've enjoyed riding some Kahuna too. Yeah. Yeah. Like um, the guys that surf the greats, they actually have a lot of Kahuna boards. Like I think that's what they use for their rentals around here. And then, do you know Dan Tarno, actually, no. by any chance? No? no? Okay, he rides for Cascadia, and, and he brought those boards to China, and those were really cool. They actually looked like they had the Dalmatian kind of pattern, like they were white, but they had black spots everywhere. Oh, neat. Yeah, they, yeah. Have, some, they have some cool designs and artwork on their boards. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool that you have Cascadia. So what is the future of competing for you? Do you see any more of that coming up or is that kind of not the priority? Oh, I think for sure. Like racing, it's, it's the drug I can't get off of. I, (laughs) I, I love it so much. Like it really puts a lot of goals into perspective for me and gives me this fire in my belly that I don't think we'll burn out for a very long time. Mm. Um, so ultimately, like a lot of my goals are towards that. But at the end of the day too, though, I love how um, diverse stand-up paddling can be. Like I love how you can take it to just tour around or like this morning, I can just go for a very chill paddle with my dad and my brother and have some great time on the water. Like I think racing will always be the biggest motivating factor for me to get on the water, but it's not also the be all. Mm-hmm. So in Ontario, when you're out paddleboarding, do you find that people react to you the same way you reacted to those guys in Sobble Beach? Like, are they pretty mesmerized by it? Or has everyone sort of seen it now and they know what it is and, and the curiosity is gone? That's actually a great question because I feel like that has changed so much this year. Um, and I would have to say my answer is a bit of both because I think, um, again, like, a hundred percent of the time, unless I'm surfing, uh, I bring out my race board. And so when I bring that out, a lot of people still don't know about the race scene here in Ontario. It's grown a lot over the past five years, like, and especially like since I've been involved and I've been so immersed in that community, I've seen it grown a lot. Um, but yeah, a lot of people like on the Welland Canal or, or out on Lake Erie, cause that's where I, I paddle most often. Um, people do look at me and they're like, what is that? And actually a lot of people think it's a kayak at first. They don't think it's a, a sup board. (laughs) So that always kind of makes me laugh. Um, but yeah, at the same time though, I am seeing a lot more people out on, I guess you would say like all round stand up paddle boards. Like today on the canal, I, I would say for sure. I saw at least 10, uh, leisurely paddlers out there. So it's interesting. Like, do you find it's the same where you are, like in, um, like in the West Coast, or? Yeah, I would say even here in Vancouver, when I'm out paddleboarding, I'm typically either by myself or I might see a handful of others. Um, but you know, it's nothing compared to the people walking along the seawall or riding their bicycles, right? I very much, just like growing up in a small town in Ontario. When I was out in the water, I was usually alone, and it was my sort of place of of peace and solace and uh, sanctuary. And even here, you know, in a in a major city, I go out in the water, and I can still the the difference is is I look to both sides, and there's these big buildings, and I'm in the city, and it's really cool um, to know that I am so alone in the middle of it all, and I feel like I have the best view. And I will say there's a lot of eyeballs that watch you. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you'll be coming in and people come up and ask you about it and and how they can, you know, get into it. Or I don't know how many times I've been asked about, oh, what do you think about this board at Canadian Tire or at Costco? And I'm kind of like, no. <laughs> oh, you know, well, if that's what you can afford, you know, that's cool. But like, I can't really... You know, if you can put your knee into the board and it bends, you know, it's not a good sign. But a lot of people are pretty stoked, so I don't want to ruin that for them. But it's, (laughs) it's just good that people are getting out on the water in general. I find, you know, 
for me, I grew up a block away from the beach. So for me, it was, that was my playground. That was a, I grew up fishing. And so the water for me was a very natural place, but I always have to remember that a lot of people, they didn't grow up that way and they're not comfortable about the water. And, you know, a lot of people aren't going to go out of their way to get a paddleboard and go paddleboarding by themselves. They need some kind of encouragement, right? So, and that's why I encourage people to take lessons too, because that's a whole other thing. People look at it and they think, oh, what's there to it? You just stand up and paddle, right? But then they come in and their back's killing them because they were doing it all wrong. And, you know, and, and then they don't like it and they don't pursue it any further. So, yeah, I could not agree with you more like actually today when I was out on the water I saw probably 50% of those paddlers that I saw just like leisurely paddling were holding the paddle backwards and that to me I'm like oh my god no it's not a spoon it's the other way <laughs> like yeah. um and yeah like and I think it's truly like a no before you go too right because I think a lot of people can get intimidated by that like if they're not comfortable around the water or didn't grow up around it I think they can be scared of bigger bodies of water. Like I feel like in Vancouver, like by the seawall, it's a Harbor. People probably think, Oh, there's boats. Like I'm not going there. Um, and you probably know too, around the great lakes, like same thing. It's a big body of water and people get intimidated. But if you have the right tools and the right equipment, especially like you can succeed and it's so worth it, you know, like yeah. just when you're out there and, and you do get that moment of solitude, like, there's something so therapeutic about it and really makes it worth it. But I agree if you don't know, and if you just kind of say, okay, I'm just going to like buy this and head out. I think too, that's where it can be dangerous. Like that's where I'm like, yeah. okay, what are you doing? <laughs> like, ah, come back, you know, wear, wear a leash, like <laughs> simple things like that. Yeah. Yeah. You were mentioning about holding the paddle backwards. The other experience I've had is, a lot of people who, you know, you ask them what their paddling experience is and, oh, I'm, I'm an experienced paddler, um, but then they've never done a cross draw before. And you show them what that is and it just like blows their mind. They're like, oh my God, I can turn so easily, right? So it's definitely worth doing the lessons. And I, I also thought that was funny about your, you know, when you're comparing um, kayaks and paddleboards because, you know, I... I find that that's the thing. There's so many kayakers out here and they, some of them like to razz the paddle borders and I'll be out paddling. And I remember one time these kayakers came by and they're like, Oh, look, paddle boarding so bad. You have to chain yourself to the board with the leash. Ha ha ha. You know, whatever. No way. Yeah. I mean, whatever, like no big deal, but I'm thinking, Hey man, you can't stand up in that kayak. You can sit down. <laughs> I can, I can stand, I can sit like a kayak if I want to. I can kneel on it if I want to. It's very versatile, right? That is too funny. I've never heard anybody say that. You have to chain yourself. <laughs> to the yeah, floor. yeah, yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> you know, the other thing in Ontario I'm curious about is, because you're saying, you know, the Great Lakes are so vast and the wind can come and it's just, wow, right? But... There must be, have you ever explored some of the, you know, rivers and things like that, that you can sort of journey through? I'm really curious about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I, I do, I love 
like the wide open space feeling of the Great Lakes. And, mm-hmm. and I've actually participated in the Lake Ontario paddle crossing for two years. And like, oh man, it's so cool to feel like you're out in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the lake. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we do. I think a lot of people miss that aspect as well is that we do have so many natural areas and really cool riverways around here and especially in Niagara. Um, so definitely one of my favorite paddling spots locally is the Welland River and we have many sections of it because, um, one of the beginning spots is close to Niagara Falls. So we have the water that flows out from the Niagara River to go over Niagara Falls. Um, it's also controlled by the hydroelectric dam there. So some of it comes into the Welland River and that part is really cool because you paddle there and the current's kind of strong and you look down and it's like blue water. It's so beautiful. But then you hit um, the next part of the Welland River that's close to Port Robinson. And then that's where the natural, yeah, the more natural part of the Welland River is. And the water just mixes in and then it, you feel like you're paddling in chocolate milk. Like it's all wow. muddy, but the nature there is beautiful. Like you're paddling in these trees and there's beaver dams everywhere and I've seen deer once <laughs> like on oh. my paddleboard and they were on the shore. Um, so yeah. And then our Welland river, it, it stretches all the way um, past like Welland. So into Welland and then out to Waynefleet towards uh, like Dunville out that way. And yeah, like it's just, it's Super beautiful. Cool, yeah. 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 The the wildlife. That's amazing. Yeah. Coolest thing I saw was uh, subsurfing in Tofino. I saw a school of um, porpoises come by. That was pretty no cool. Way. Yeah. yeah that was out. rad. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, paddling across Lake Ontario. So what was that all about? Yeah. So um, really cool, actually. We have two uh, paddlers from the GTA, um, Rob Kavik and Dan Mike Luck. And they both are prone paddlers. Actually, funny enough, they, they don't get on a SUP board very often. Um, but they had both competed in a race called Molokai to Oahu. So they had done the 32-mile downwinder from Molokai all the way to Oahu. And when they did that race, they were so stoked and came back home and thought, how can we replicate this on the Great Lakes? Because we have big bodies of water. We have 32 miles across, like one way or the other. Um, So how can we bring this to our home? And so I think I want to say it was about 2014 or 2015 that they created this race. So it was right around the time that I was just starting to get involved with the racing scene, but hadn't really done too much racing. And so I think in 2017, I had a couple girlfriends who were just like, hey, you want to like sign up to do this as like a relay race? And I had no clue what I was getting into. But I was like, yeah, sure. That looks like fun. Like paddle across the lake. Yeah. But like now I look back and think, oh my God, Maddie, like, did you know what 32 miles means yeah, <laughs> of, wow. of paddling? Like that's 50 kilometers. Like that's a long way. Yeah. Um, but I remember talking to my parents about it too. And I said, yeah, I signed up for this race across Lake Ontario. And they didn't know either, right? Because they definitely didn't know more than than I did. And they just were like, okay, cool. Like, sounds like fun. Like, we'll, we'll give it a shot. And um, yeah, so 2017 was the first year that I competed in it with uh, two other women. So we were a relay team of three. And so I think I had about three or four shifts that day that were about 45 minutes. And we had an escort boat across the lake. So we each took turns. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but the race, again, it's designed to be a downwind race. And so typically in Southern Ontario, and you probably know this too, um, by growing up on the lake in Lake Erie, we get the best waves when we have a South or a Southwest, Mm -hmm. maybe sometimes easterly on Lake Ontario, but I like a Southwest one more. (laughs) Um, and so we had really hoped and prayed for conditions to push us to Toronto and we didn't get that. Mm -hmm. We had, I think it was 10 kilometer winds from the North with like gusts in the twenties. And so, yeah, it was the exact opposite effect. Basically paddling over speed bumps because we had started in Niagara and finished in Toronto. And, uh, yeah, I think it took us about nine and a half hours that first year wow. to cross the lake. And I look back and I think like, wow, that was such a kook moment. But I learned so much from it. And we got across safely and we had a really fun time. And that feeling was so addicting. Like yeah. I knew the next year I was like, I'm going back for that. Um, but I had partnered with another paddling uh, partner. So I changed up my relay team and we did it in a tandem. And so it was just the two of us the next year. So we both had some more paddling time and, and we had more uh, favorable conditions. We had a bit of a westerly kind of wind. So um, it started off actually from the south and then the wind kind of clocked around throughout the day. So we ended on a little bit of side chop, but we mostly had a push in the morning. And so I think it took us just over seven hours to get there the second year. <laughs> so, Super cool. Wow. That's amazing. a lot more successful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sounds like the first year, the sub gods were really challenging you guys. Oh, the sub gods were like, Maddie, what are you doing here? Like you're a kook, go home. <laughs> yeah, for real. So but they let me cross anyway. <laughs> nice, nice. So these days it sounds like, what are you involved in now? I, I have here, it seems like you're involved in something called, sup kids and that you do some guest lecturing and inspirational talks what's that all about that's right um so i think a lot of the experiences that i've had that have come from stand-up paddleboarding and originated again if we take it way back like from kind of from a tragedy um i thought i think i was in my fourth year at waterloo and i just thought you know what it's about time that i get up and i share these stories i think Um, My friends deserve to be remembered in a really special way. I think my story can inspire other people. And so selflessly, I just kind of thought, what if I share my story? And so I think, yeah, I I was either in my third or fourth year of university. I just booked a room in in like a classroom at Waterloo and just it kind of invited a bunch of friends out. I was like, hey, want to come like hear my story of how I got into paddleboarding and uh, I, I don't think there was a big turnout. I think there was like mm. maybe like 15 to 20 people. Um, so not a lot, but it was really cool. Like how I yeah. just, like I look back and I think, how did you even do that? Like I just organized um, a group chat for people to come and to hear my story. And I had like a slideshow and pictures and um, from the first year of on board and, and how I got kind of started into racing, but I wasn't fully into racing yet either at mm. the time. Um, so it was just mostly sharing my fundraising story. And then ever since that year, it took off. Like, I think the most recent presentation I did, I was in Barrie and I spoke at the Barrie Canoe and Kayak Club and I talked to them about how I got into the sport. But then I talked about events like the Lake Crossing and and China and just how all of these unique experiences, um, didn't just fall into my lap. Like it did come from hard work, but it came from, a place of passion. Mm. And I think 
I just love spreading the message that if you have a passion in your life, no matter what it is, it, it it's real and you can go after it and however you need to and surround yourself with those good people who will support you and who will get you there. And yeah, so it, like, it's just, it's taken off so much and I will, I'll do, um, sup indoor workshops as well. I did one in my gym back in February. So I brought a board like in the snow, I'm carrying it across to, um, stand on it in a gym and say, Hey, here's how you paddle. Um, yeah. So I just, I, I love sharing that story and sharing it in multiple different ways. That's a great message. Wow. Yeah. No, people need to hear that. I wish I heard that like 20 years ago. So keep it up. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But you know what? It sounds like to me, like even just you being here and like on this podcast, like you just, you know, that passion that people have and especially like lake surfers and paddleboarders. Like I think there's something so special about the water and I haven't figured it out yet. I will mm. in my masters. I will, but <laughs> yeah, it draws really cool people to it yeah yeah i'd have to agree the tribe is pretty unique yeah i mean for me i always thought in the early days i felt very alone and now it's just amazing to see the sport of sup open up so many more doors and then the great lake surf scene is is really on the rise in canada so yeah it's just fantastic stuff oh yeah it so, really is yeah yeah so um yeah, my friend and I were actually having a conversation the other day about when we were in high school and how neither of us could remember, you know, talking to a guidance counselor about the possibilities of what we could do later on, right? And I think it's really important to get that message in the high schools that there are more jobs than working at a factory or becoming a teacher, because those seem to be the only options that I heard of. I mean, Maybe other people have had different experiences, but I really think kids need to know, like especially today with the internet and the the innovations going on and the rise in technology, like something that's not here today might be there tomorrow. So it's really a good time to dream and act on those dreams. And you're right, this podcast for me has been amazing so far. And 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 even if I didn't make a penny, which, you know, I hope I make a lot of pennies doing whatever I do, but um, it's really cool to be meeting cool people and to be putting yourself out there in an area that you are so passionate about and sort of feeding off that energy of other people. Yeah. Like yourself. It's great. Yeah. So, so that's really cool that you're, you know, speaking to the youth and inspiring. So how does that plug into SUP Kids then? What's that all about? Yeah. So SUP Kids is a stand-up paddleboarding curriculum and it was founded by Lindsay Hawking back in 2014. And I believe she partnered with Starboard in 2015 to launch the program all over the world. So we essentially have what's called SUP Kids Schools who have bought the curriculum. So you could be your own sup, surf, paddling school. It can literally apply to any water sport. And these schools buy the program and then they get to run it uh, wherever they are in the world. So I think we have uh, 23 countries all around the world. We have three locations in Canada. So I think closest to you, if I butcher the name, it's uh, Sycamus, VC. I think it's north, north east of Vancouver for a few hours like it's actually kind of close to Alberta hmm. I believe like 
I'm not yeah. sure. I'll have to look it up later. Maybe you butchered yeah. the name so badly I don't I recognize it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, or, my family actually makes fun of me for yeah. that because I say names so wrong. It's horrible. Yeah. Or, or maybe you nailed it and I just don't know my BC geography good enough because I, I still don't. After 12 <laughs> years, I still don't. You know, it's funny, like living in, living here, um, you're sort of sandwiched up against the coast. You know, there's, it feels like there's less directions to go. Whereas that spot you're at in Ontario, you sort of feel like North America is your oyster. You can kind of go any direction. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a, so true. Yeah, yeah. It's different here because, you know, you have sort of the Rocky Mountains on one side and then the ocean on the other, and then this wild, north country above you and then the u.s below so it actually feels a little more um, enclosed in that way yeah that's actually that's really interesting and i i find um actually a lot of my friends like that i paddle with that are from vancouver like they always say oh like the east coast eh?" and i'm like i am not east coast like that's like nova scotia and halifax like i i consider like ontario to be very central yeah, no, I know. I'm a, I'm an East Coaster. That's what That's I'm told. I'm like, <laughs> even though it's like a 24 hour drive to the the ocean. Yeah, That's no, that's right. pretty funny. That's the other the other one, hopefully you've never heard before, but maybe you have perhaps. Is have you ever been told that you're from Ontario? <sighs> no. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know. I was quite sensitive to that when I first moved here. Yeah. I was, you sort of yeah 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 and but then but then below the surface you get talking to people and nine out of ten people are from ontario anyhow and they yeah. just jump they've just jumped the bandwagon it's actually that is so true too because when i went to the island last year with my brother and we were in the very small town of sydney bc um, we had spoken with a lady who had an art shop just along the coast. So it was like right by the event site. She was like, oh yeah, I'm from St. Catharines in Niagara. And we're like, oh my God, that's like 15 minutes down the road from us. Yeah. And then I actually went to um, a physiotherapist clinic there because uh, of my back injury from China in the previous year. It was still pretty bad um, before the competition. And he had done his master's at Western in London. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, yo, you're from Ontario too. Like, this is way too cool. Like everybody's moving out to BC, but. It really is. Yeah. There's very, when you, when you get chatting to people, it seems like there's very few Vancouver natives actually. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're people like the ocean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we're kind of coming up to the end here, but I'm really curious, what are your short-term goals? And then where are we expecting to see you down the line? In the, in the far future what are you gonna do where where's life gonna take me um, and it's not <laughs> and it's not going over the falls on a on a subboard that's right <laughs> we're not going over the niagara river that's right unless oh, they install uh you know some kind of like rockets on them or something <laughs> yeah have a parachute at the back just yeah. <laughs> before you jump off um yeah no that's that's a fantastic question i think uh I relate the analogy to stand-up paddleboarding a lot. I'm definitely a, a go-with-the-flow kind of person. So right now, I'm doing my master's at Brock. And again, it, it is researching stand-up paddleboarding. 
Um, but it actually entails the SUP Kids program. I'm going to be collecting my data from the SUP Kids program, like sitting at a camp and watching it happen. And so I'm hoping that my master's empowers me to do work with children when nice. I'm done. So what exactly that'll look like? I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you and me will make a school together and we yeah. can get kids. Like, um, I definitely, I want to have a school someday for sure, whether that'll be in Welland or in the Niagara region at all, or, or somewhere else <laughs> in the world. I don't know. Um, but that's definitely a long-term goal, I guess, for the future. And, Short term would be to to finish the math. Yeah, finish <laughs> right to finish up. it. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I only see good things for you. That's super cool. If you ever need a test guinea pig for your studies, I'm I'm on board. Okay. Hey, and I, I love it. <laughs> and I think one day, I think one day, you and I need to cross a lake together. That sounds like a lot of fun. I think so. We could be like the first mixed double team oh, first mixed tandem team yeah maybe there hasn't been one yet really okay the race got canceled for this year so maybe in the future <laughs> when you move back here and you have some kind of world record don't you for something oh, <laughs> um well for the late crossing we um in 20 yeah 2018 when i crossed with danielle holdsworth we beat the tandem record actually so seven hours and 10 minutes was the fastest that any double team had crossed the lake so wow so is your name in the guinness book of world records oh, unfortunately no oh. i don't know how much guinness cares about stand-up paddleboarding but oh, maybe they that's... should after this so. yeah really so when you're not paddleboarding what else are you stoked about what else am i stoked about sounds I'm... like you like cooking right I, yeah, I love it. I, I yeah. Uh, thank you, COVID nineteen, for making me a good cook. Yeah. <laughs> that would not have been a product if COVID nineteen wasn't a thing. Um, but yeah, I think uh, honestly, in general, just being active and being out in nature. Like I love hiking. I love swimming. I love anything else on the water too. I'm trying to convince my parents to help me buy a prone board. <laughs> I'm like, that looks like fun. I want to try that. Nice. Um, I love yoga. I love reading. Like so many little things here and there. I love Super to do. Cool. Right on. And hey, during these COVID times, I like to ask people because, you know, I sort of feel like I'm running out of content sometimes. Are you, are you watching anything cool, reading anything cool? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, for my thesis, I'm, I'm required to do a lot of academic journal reading. So unfortunately, I'm not actually like reading anything kind of like super fun <laughs> at the okay. moment. Um, but for watching, I don't know if you've been like checking out World Surf League, but they have like these great rewind episodes of mm. the championship tour from last year. And they've cut them down into like five episodes that each episode is like no more than 10 minutes. Okay. And so it doesn't take up a lot of your time. And for me, like my day is so busy that, I only have enough time to watch like two or three episodes that are like seven minutes long nice. at night before I go to bed. But those have been pretty cool. And they keep me like super stoked. Like they make me so passionate to like to train harder, to work out harder and to like be inspired by world champions. Right on. I'll have to check those out. Yeah. I've seen those come across in the emails. I know exactly what you're talking about. I've seen it in the newsletter. So yeah, they've yeah. done like a fantastic job at like, telling the story of how 
this event unfolded last year. Like, I think I just finished the Margaret River Pro, and that was really cool. That was right really on, cool. right on. Yeah. So before I let you go, is there anything you want to, anything left that you got to get off your chest that you want to tell the audience? And then uh, also, if you have anything to plug or somewhere people can reach you, um, be sure to let us know that too. Oh, well, honestly, I think I just mostly want to say like, thank you so much for um, letting me come on the show today. I, I always take a, a shot in the dark when I reach out to people and say, hey, can we chat? So um, I honestly cannot thank you enough for just letting me be here today and, and to share my paddling stories. It it means a lot to me and, and to my family too, because all of my paddling initiatives, it, it's not just me, it's my family. They back me up too. So yeah. shout out family <laughs> on yeah. Father's Day too. Um, yeah. And I guess to, to find me, uh, my Instagram is at Maddie three LeBlanc, but I do also have a website, which is just my name. So www.maddieleblanc.com. And yeah, like hit me up guys. If you're stoked to just get on the water, I do private lessons. I do public lessons and I love getting the kids out. So if your kid wants to come, <laughs> let's go. And, uh, yeah, I guess like stay stoked. Derek? <laughs> Very sweet. Yeah, thank you. No, it's great to have you on the show. I'm really glad you reached out to me. This is one of the best parts is getting to know cool people like yourself and, and seeing what is going on out there. And for me, my work history has been the last 12 years has been fully ingrained in nonprofit work. I've worked with kids, I work with vulnerable adults, seniors, everybody. So it really touches my heart to hear these uh, innovative ideas. And um, for me, actually, that's sort of what I'm doing. I'm trying to, you know, working with people is good, but it can it can be challenging and it can be hard being absorbed in the sad situations a lot. So I actually have found quite a bit of uh, healing and, and positivity for myself in some of these more, uh, you know, sort of, methods that are maybe for people who are a little further along in their path and are ready to really get back to life. And those are things like yoga and paddleboarding and surfing. And so for me, I've, I'm really enjoying this shift of using all my own skills, but now bringing that into something that also brings me a bit of leisure and, and gets me a little more stoked. So it's really cool to be bridging the two together. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's super awesome to meet you and super inspiring and, and glad you're doing what you're doing. And I'm sure we're going to connect again. And when I get in Ontario, we'll go for a paddle and, and have some fun together, okay? Heck yeah. Yeah, when you come over, you let me know. We're we're going. It's right a date. We're, we're paddling. <laughs> Will do. Perfect. All right, Maddie. Mahalo for being on the show and stay stoked. Ah, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Derek. That's all for another episode of Permastoke. I hope you enjoyed listening or watching that one. Again, I'd like to say a big mahalo to Maddie LeBlanc for the great work she's doing for the battle against cancer and for keeping the stoke alive in the Niagara area. Way to go, Maddie. Keep it up. To learn more about Maddie and to register for Onboard, you can visit MaddieLeBlanc.com. You can even connect with her on Instagram at Maddie3LeBlanc, on Facebook at Maddie.LeBlanc.5, 
and on Twitter at MaddieLeBlanc17. And we want to say a big mahalo to Mark Malibu and the Wasagas for providing us with our intro music, Hey Chihuahua, from their 2009 album entitled Crash Monster Beach, and our outro music, End of Summer, off their 2017 album, Return of the Wasagas. Be sure to check them out and download their music on iTunes today. And we especially want to say mahalo to all you listeners out there. We're so grateful that you chose to join us for this episode, and we look forward to providing you with even more awesome content in the future, because there are more episodes on their way. In the meantime, feel free to go back and listen to previous episodes. And if you enjoyed listening or watching the show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Please leave us a rating and a review, and share with your family and friends over social media, or by telling people about it. You can also watch the show by visiting our YouTube channel, Freshwater Surf Goods. To learn more about Freshwater Surf Goods and to check out our products and services, visit freshwatersurfgoods.com. Be sure to sign up for the newsletter to stay up to date on new products, events, our SUP and yoga schedule, and other exciting news. And you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Freshwater Surf Goods. We are currently in need of artists and graphic designers to help us out with new product designs for the brand. We need photographers to provide some great lakes in both East Coast and West Coast surf photography. We need musicians for music on the podcast. We want to make this a real community effort and have you all be a part of it. Or if you have an idea for collaboration, would like to recommend a future guest, would like to invite me to an event or book me to teach SUP or yoga, or if you or your company are interested in being a sponsor of the show, hit me up on social media or email me at Derek at freshwatersurfkids.com. That's Derek spelled the Viking way. No double R's or C's, just D-E-R-I-K at freshwatersurfkids.com. And finally, Freshwater Surf Goods, our SUP school, Great Vibes Yoga, Meditation and Healing, and the Permastoke podcast are all currently based out of Vancouver, BC with the intention of relocating to the Great Lakes region. My preference is to move somewhere along the coast of Lake Huron between Cardin and Savile Beach to get that good surf and be in the woods somewhere. But we are open to other coastal communities in Southern Ontario. If you have any advice on how I might bring my business there and get set up, I would be extremely grateful. Also, I understand that I may need to get a real job for a while. So my education and work background is primarily in native community work frontline emergency social service work and coordinating both long-term and short-term nonprofit programs and projects. If you have any leads or suggestions around potential employment opportunities or relocation services and how we might make the transition from the West Coast back to Ontario, it would be greatly appreciated. I look forward to next time and getting to know you all better. In the meantime, I'm your host, Derek Hyatt. Mahalo, freshies. Keep surfing and stay stoked.